You're listening to Comedy Central. October 4th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. tonight is the star of the new Venom movie. Riz Ahmed is here, everybody! We're having a fun conversation with him, but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. China. (laughs) They make all of our computers, and it turns out they've been throwing in a little something extra. A shocking new report details how China used a tiny chip about the size of a grain of rice to infiltrate U.S. tech giants as early as 2015. The chips allowed the attackers to create a stealth doorway into any network that included the altered machines. Investigators found that the chips had been inserted at factories run by manufacturing subcontractors in China. Wow, really? China has gone too far. First, they hide little notes in my cookies, and now this? (laughs) And you realize... This isn't about hacking our passwords. No, that's basic. What they're doing is they're putting tainted microchips into the hardware at the factory, which means there's nothing we can do. Passwords don't help. I mean, we could move the factories to the U.S., but then it's like, introducing the new iPhone, only (laughs) $6,000. And then we're like, yeah, tell me again about the the phone with the chip in it. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. (laughs) And here's my thing. If being hacked is inevitable, which it feels like in this day and age, maybe we shouldn't try to protect our information on our devices anymore. Right? I've been thinking about this. Instead, what we should do is just surround our real information with a bunch of other junk as a distraction, you know, to throw hackers off the trail. That's my pitch. That's what I do on my iPhone, right? Yeah, no, no. I- I'm not gonna stop taking dick pics, but what I also do is... What I also do is I add a lot of other dick photos. Yeah. That way, if you ever hack my phone, you don't know which one is mine. It works. I'll give you a clue, though. It's the one with the dimples. (laughs) Moving on. Last week, we shared a story about people getting into accidents because they were taking selfies while hiking. But now we're learning that people die taking selfies while doing all sorts of things. The Washington Post reports on a study that says more than 250 people worldwide have died while taking selfies in the last six years. News reports were analyzed by the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. The leading cause was drowning. That was followed by transportation-related deaths and falling from heights. Okay, I get falling, but how are people drowning (laughs) while taking a selfie? I don't... I mean, like, what, do they they fall into the water while taking the selfie? Or worse, are they underwater trying to get a selfie? (laughs) And then, like, dying because they can't get the perfect pic? Like, is it just people underwater, like... If you take care of yourself and eat right, you can live to be 100. And then, 
You can eat whatever you want. Chick-fil-A throws a surprise 100th birthday party for one of their top customers. Until last year, Stephen Bellissimo stopped by the Florida restaurant nearly every day for 20 years, earning him free Chick-fil-A for life. Mr. Steve, we want to give you Chick-fil-A for the rest of your life. So no, no more 50% off. You're getting free. I come here to Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. Yep. Twice. Anytime you want. That is the best <laughs> gift I can ever receive. <laughs> I'm gonna instead of coming once a week now, I'm coming every day. <laughs> oh man, that is the cutest thing ever. A hundred years old. He's grateful about that. I wonder, is that the secret to living to one hundred? Yeah. If it is, someone get Ruth Bader Ginsburg some curly fries right away. <laughs> right away. I will say, I will say it's kind of a dick move from Chick-fil-A here, right? Like they're giving him lifetime free food at 100. Because let's be honest, there's an understanding that he's gonna leave soon, right, yeah? Like, I hope he lives another 30 years. I hope he lives another 30 years and then Chick-fil-A managers are like, okay, that's it, we're cutting you off. You should have been dead by now. Get back into your car. What do you mean you ran here? Who are you? <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top story. For weeks now, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court has torn America apart. 45% of the country believes Dr. Ford, his accuser. 33% believes Kavanaugh. And the remaining 22% believes the Supreme Court is a nacho order at Taco Bell. <laughs> and look, I'll be honest, today has been a very emotional day for many people. In DC, protesters spent the day rallying at the Capitol and confronting senators about confirming Kavanaugh. And time seems to be running out because the FBI finished its investigation into the claims against Kavanaugh, and the bad news is the White House loves it. Overnight, the FBI's highly anticipated investigation of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh delivered to the White House and Capitol Hill. The White House calling it the most comprehensive review of a Supreme Court nominee in history. The White House concluded those interviews did not corroborate sexual misconduct allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. That's right, the FBI investigation is officially complete. But I, I don't know if we can call a five-day investigation sufficient. You know, although I get why the White House thinks it is. I mean, they've never spent five consecutive days on anything. <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, this investigation was so thorough, it lasted half a Scaramucci. <laughs> and, and another thing, another thing that makes this investigation feel like a sham is how the FBI used their time. This FBI investigation was fast, it was limited, and several potential witnesses are now claiming it was incomplete. The FBI contacted a total of 10 people and interviewed nine of them. There are more than 40 people with potential information about sexual misconduct allegations against Brett Kavanaugh who were not contacted by the FBI. Two people who weren't interviewed, Judge Kavanaugh himself or Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Okay, now that seems a little strange, right? There were 40 people who said they had information for the FBI and none of them got interviewed? This is the same FBI that came after me for duplicating a copy of Rambo 3 on VHS, <laughs> but they don't have time for the Supreme Court. And by the way, they held me for four hours, but I didn't give them shit. <laughs> That's right. Nothing. Nada. I didn't snitch, Carlos. Ah, now, now, unfortunately, the FBI's report isn't public, right? There's only one copy, which can be viewed exclusively by senators, and it's kept inside a vault in the Capitol building. Yeah, it's 
really top secret. And as an extra layer of security, you can only enter after having a conversation with Eric. And it's just like, <laughs> hey, do you like model trains too? You're like, you know what, I, I, I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> but this report, this report was never meant for us. The only reason the GOP allowed the FBI to investigate was to satisfy the concerns of three senators, Collins, Mikowski, and Flake. So it doesn't matter that the investigation wasn't thorough. What matters is that it gives these moderate Republicans the cover they need to vote yes. Basically, Mitch McConnell conducted this process the same way a parent checks under their kid's bed for monsters. You know, they're just like, all right, there's nothing there. Go to sleep now. <laughs> I was like, but, but what if he's in the closet? Well, then who are we to judge, Timmy? <laughs> And, and you can tell McConnell wasn't trying to find any monsters from day one. This fine nominee to the Supreme Court will receive a vote in this Senate in the near future. We're gonna be moving forward. I'm confident we're gonna win. Judge Kavanaugh will be on the United States Supreme Court. We're gonna plow right through it and do our job. You see, this was never about process for him. It was always about rushing the confirmation through before the midterms. Yeah, McConnell approached this the same way that, that God approached making Mitch McConnell, you know? <laughs> yeah, the angels, the angels were like, God, you haven't finished his face. And he was like, look, I'm plowing through this. I'm plowing through this. I have to get it done. I have to. But God, he has no lips, who cares? <laughs> Wait until you see this Idris Elba I made. Me damn. So, it looks like, like it or not, Cocaine Mitch has done it again. <laughs> he successfully stole Obama's Supreme Court seats, and now he's bulldozed through the Me Too movement to get Judge Kegstand onto the Supreme Court. <laughs> and I'm, I'm an optimist, but it doesn't seem like there's much anybody can do besides wait and see. Like, we, we may as well go out and get drunk like Brett Kavanaugh and... <laughs> Try and forget that this ever happened, like Brett Kavanaugh. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an Emmy Award-winning actor, rapper, and activist who stars in the new movie, Venom. Please welcome Riz Ahmed. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. I'm it's a massive been a, fan. I love yeah, man. Do. It's been a while. I've been watching you blow up. I mean, so many people were fans of yours from the night, fans of yours from the night of. Uh, many people were fans of yours, seeing you in so many different movies. You've played so many different roles, and now you're in Venom playing a character that I did not like as a human being for the first time. All right, thank you. Cheers. Right, what, did you enjoy it? You know, I did, actually. I, I feel like, um, you know, I never thought I'd be in a movie like this, to right. be honest. You know, you grow up watching films like this. You don't necessarily see people that look like me in them. So it felt like a great moment for me personally. And, and you know, you get to play with all the toys and all these great actors. And, um, and I also, th I think Venom's quite a, like, timely story. Right. As well, in lots of ways. In, in what way? Well, it's like about an American guy who gets invaded by a giant POC alien. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, like... To begin with, we'll read the comics. Um, <laughs> it's a, it a fact. And to begin with, he tries to get rid of him, but then he realizes he can't really live without him. Right, right. So, uh, you know, it's kind of something in there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, you know what I find interesting is, is, is the idea behind the character and what you're saying. You know, when, you, when, when you're growing up, you, you watch these movies, and I know specifically, like, you know, characters 
who are either of Middle Eastern or South Asian descent always saw themselves as like one thing and that was like bad guy number four, terrorist number seven, <laughs> right? But here you are in a movie where you're playing a character who's this wild billionaire who thinks he should be king of the world, right? Very unrealistic character that we cannot see in real life. <laughs> but, but you're playing this character. And, and, and jokes aside, what is great is you're playing a character that is a star of a movie, in a Marvel film as well, and you look the way you look, which is a powerful thing when you think of like the journey that, that you've gone through. When you look at diversity, and when you look at representation, how do, you, how do you work towards one of the two? Are they as important to you as the other? Like, it's, it's such a difficult discussion to have right now in Hollywood. How do yeah. you deal with it? You know, it's, it's interesting in a way, because I was thinking about this, and we were talking about this backstage, is like, um, it's kind of weird that it's even a thing, right? It's weird that it's remarkable at all that I should be able to play a range of different characters. Because right. if you think about it, that's the basis of acting itself. Right? The basis of acting is, I could be you and you could be me. It's just the circumstances are slightly different, right? right? Emotionally, we're all the same. So it's just weird if you think about it that certain people's faces or experiences are seen as universally relatable and other people's aren't. Um, but it's obviously not true. Otherwise, right. you know, you wouldn't have... You wouldn't be able to be moved by any art that wasn't about anyone, you know, the, anyone else. So, um, so, I mean, that's, that's my take on that. But in terms of diversity and representation, I, I don't like to talk about diversity... I feel like it sounds like an added extra. Right. It sounds like the fries, not the burger. You know, it sounds like something on the side. You've got your main thing going on. And yeah, let's sprinkle a little bit of diversity on top of that. <laughs> and, and that's not what it's about for me. It's about representation. And representation is absolutely fundamental in terms of what we expect from our culture and from our politics. You know, we all want to feel represented. We all want to feel seen and heard and valued. So right. I prefer to talk about representation. You, you've done a great job of that, yeah. You've done a really great job of playing so many different characters on screen, just, just as an actor. Like, you, you, you've gone for such a diverse set of roles, you know, that challenge you in different ways. What I didn't always know about you is that you are also a, a rapper, like, like an MC, right. and like, like, for real, for real, not like, like, like as a gimmick. Right. You just not, gen, no, genuinely, because like some people go like, ah, rap, and then like, it's just a joke. But no, Riz is serious. <laughs> We've actually got a, a clip of one of your music videos right here. Now, that's, that song comes from a body of work that is powerful because you speak not just about what's happening in the world, but what has happened to you as a person, right? There's one of my favorite songs is 9-11 um, Blues. Right. Tell us what 9-11 Blues is about. Well, yeah, I mean, um, that track's called Mogambo. It's the track that just came out um, yesterday, actually. And, um, you know, the message for that song is, is um, I guess there's been a through line to my work. And in Mogambo, I'm saying it most explicitly than I've ever said it, which is that, you know, we're living at a time where I said a lot of people are feeling um, unheard and unvalued and just unwanted. Mm -hmm. And really the message of this song is, yeah, some people might not want us here, but we're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? We're here to stay. Um, we're part of this place. And if you really want to get into it, let's talk about who built these societies. You know, empire built Britain. You know, this country was built on the backs of people who are trying, you know, people are trying to exclude those people from power now. Right. Um, so it's really a kind of, I just felt sick up of feeling so depressed, man. <laughs> I, felt, I just felt so like sick and tired of feeling despair. And I said, I, I wanted to make something defiant. Um, so so I, I described this track as a kind of middle finger that you can dance to. I like that. Kind of thing. 
Uh, middle finger that you can dance with. I like that. Um, but, but from the story behind that first track you're talking about, Post yeah. Island, that was my first rap song that I recorded and it, and it got banned. Um, as soon as I released it, which uh, thank you for banning it because there was so much free promotion <laughs> for that track. It was amazing, thank you. Um, but, you know, DJ started emailing me saying, feel like, you know, we're living in a politically sensitive um, right. environment, we can't play this track. And um, it was really just making fun of the post 9-11 circus of fear, this really kind of extravagant, cartoonish, you know, bogeyman kind of narrative that we had going on about Muslims. Um, but yeah, I wrote it because the first film that I acted in, it won an award at Berlin Film Festival. We got on a plane, we were all celebrating, landed back in the UK, and as soon as, we, as soon as we landed, we got detained by British intelligence officers. And they like took me into this side room, and I was like, wow, this, this shit's real, you know? Right. And they, uh, and they put me in all these arm locks, and they were like, did you become an actor to further the Muslim struggle? And I was like, no, I became an actor to get girls, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it was, it was weird because it's like, yeah, this wasn't the kind of kink I had in mind, you know? Right. You putting me in an arm long is, isn't what I was aiming for. And I just thought, this is such a crazy, crazy uh, situation, you know, being intimidated like that because you're just acting, you're just expressing yourself. And, um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a kind of joke rap song about it, you know? So that's what I did. You, you, you've been amazing at expressing yourself. You are someone who is outspoken in a time when a lot of people are like, I, I, I don't want to get involved in the politics. And uh, that's something that you're really passionate about uh, as a human being. Brexit is don't something you, but, that's huge. But I wanted to ask you, don't you feel like, I mean, I just think what you do, by the way, is just incredible, man. I think you're such an important voice, the stuff you say. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, it's, it's you. It, it is, it's, it's inspiring to watch. You get up every night, you do this. And I just kind of think like, I don't know if you feel this, but it's not like you chose politics. If you're born into a certain body in a certain place and time, politics chooses you. Oh yeah, you can't escape right. it. Exactly. So, right. You know, when I'm making rap songs, I'm not trying to make political songs. They're very personal songs. This is one person's personal songwriting will be about their dad hiring a limo for them to go to prom. Right. And mine is about, you know, <laughs> the gloves coming on at airport security. Right, you know, right, right. That's my Friday night. So um, it, it's, just, it's just coming from a personal place, you know. It's a personal place. Uh, you deliver it well. Uh, I'm excited to see everything that you're going to do. Man. Thank you so much for being Thank on the show. Thank you so much. Man. Such a pleasure having you. Venom will be in theaters October 5th. Where's Ahmed, everybody? The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.